Welcome to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. This morning, uh, I'm going to uh, talk about this topic, blood, sweat, and tears. Wow. Have you heard of this, this phrase, blood, sweat, and tears? Have not. Do you all know what it means or not? I don't know, right? Uh, blood, blood, sweat, and tears is what? It means hard work. Lah. Hard work, right? Or not? He has put in nothing but blood, sweat, and tears into his company. Correct? Have you heard that? Okay, so uh, BST, uh, blood, sweat, and tears. BST, not BTS, uh, by the way. BTS actually sang a song on blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> okay, not BST. Not BTS, but BST, alright? Okay, so I do a quick survey. If you are sad or depressed, uh, okay, if you are sad or depressed, would you come to church or you, would you stay away from church? Who are, how many of you, when you're sad or depressed, would come to church? Okay, a few. How many, when you're sad or depressed, you tend to stay away from church? Have not? I've got some very honest hands, okay, very good. Okay, and if there is somebody who is sad or depressed who comes into your cell group or visit your cell, how many of you know what you're supposed to do? Don't know. How many of you don't know what to say? Or oh, you all know what to say? Ah? Later, I'll ask you all. You all know what to say? Nah? Somebody sad or depressed coming into your cell. Do you all know? Don't know. Ah? Okay, so that's the topic for us today. It is called Blood, Sweat and Tears. Okay, blood, sweat, and tears. So what does blood, sweat, and tears represent? I'm going to talk about grieving. Okay, grieving, which is tears. I'm going to talk about tears. Tears about what? Grieving about what? Our loss. What is loss? means blood. Lah. Blood means those things that are very valuable to us. When we lose those things that are very valuable to us, the blood, we will, we will, we will grieve. What about, uh, that's tears. Lah. You know, is that tears? Yes, yes. Okay, that is... Uh, uh, blood means things that are very close to us. When we lose it, we will cry. How about sweat? Sweat represents things uh, that are our limits. Things that we want to do but we can't do. Okay, things that we wish to do but we can't do. Okay, that represents our sweat. So we want to talk about grieving our, our loss, our blood, as well as our limits, which is our sweat. Alright, so that's what we're going to talk about. We are at Sermon 5 of the Emotionally Healthy Sermon Series. Five out of eight, okay, so uh, eight-part series based on a book by Pete Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Okay, so my sermons, teaching points are a bit different, quite different from uh, the book, okay, but it's based off, adapted from the book. All right, so this is Sermon 5. Last sermon, I talk about the walls of wilderness, remember? Okay, I talk about the purpose behind uh, the walls in our life. is so that God causes us to go inward to discover our our motives, our idols in our life. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, the talk a bit about grieving. Okay, so it has to do with finding back our emotional health. Okay, uh, dealing with our emotional baggage so that we can love well. Okay, our theme for this year is Dream United. Okay, so before you can love well, before you can uh, care for others, first you must be healed first. Okay, if you're not healed, what happens? There's this phrase, I don't know if you've heard before, hurt people hurt people. Have you heard this? Hurt people, hurt people. Means what? Actually, if you are hurting, you are wounded, very naturally, whether you want it or not, you will tend to hurt others or wound others. 
Okay, because you don't know. There's a lot of emotional baggage. So uh, that's where you create toxic environment. When you come across toxic people, haven't you? Okay, many a times they don't want it. It's because of their family, their background, their past. Okay, and that caused a lot of politics, uh, whether in the church or in the workplace or in the family. Okay, so grieving well is very important because we need to grieve well over our loss and limits because it's a big part of our healing our inner life, getting our emotional life back into shape. All right? Uh, there's a quote by Pete Scazzaro. He says, When we deny our pain, losses, and feelings, Year after year, we become less and less human. We transform slowly into empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. Sad to say, that is much, uh, that's the fruit of much of our discipleship in our churches. Okay, isn't it true? Uh, in churches, we are very good at talking about happy feelings. But if you're sad or you're grieving, uh, people tell you, snap out of it, you know, you, can do, you, you should be happy as Christians. So we are afraid to come to church. So what we do, we put up a mask. Okay, so we, most of the time, we don't have a biblical framework to grieve our loss and our limits. So Christians feel guilty okay, when they are sad because they are supposed to obey God's command to rejoice in the Lord always. They are supposed to come before Him with joyful songs. Uh, they are supposed to do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, and they will quote scriptures like, God will cause all things to work for the good of those who love Him and call according to His purpose. And we quote 1 Thessalonians 4.13 that Christians are not supposed to grieve like non-Christians. Okay, so most, most Christians uh, will stay away or even if there are people who are depressed or sad in the congregation, uh, in, the, in the cell, they, they really don't know what to do. Okay, they'll try to avoid because it's a difficult conversation. So we end up coming to church with a painted smiley face and fail to disciple the deeper parts of our life. So grieving is a normal process. It's a healthy process that all humans uh, go through. All right? We're not meant to suppress it, but to process it with the Lord. Remember God Himself. He also grieved. Remember? Uh, God, when He created uh, the people, He was grieved in His heart because they were wicked. So He had to destroy them with a flood. Uh, and the shortest verse in the Bible, you know, is which verse or not? Huh? Jesus wept. John 11.35, Jesus wept for Lazarus, okay, who died. And uh, Jesus wept for Jerusalem, okay? Uh, and and we, see, um, we see that over and over again in the Bible. The whole book of Lamentations is about the children of Israel uh, lamenting to God about the destruction of Jerusalem. The book of Psalms was written by David who poured out his, his, uh, his grieving over his sins as well as the pain his enemies have caused him. Alright, so we, we grieve two things. First thing is losses. Uh, we grieve our losses. What are losses? Losses are things that are important to us. It is, it is, it is like a, uh, it's like blood to us. Okay, our blood ties. It's tangible like people or possession that we love dearly. Okay, uh, and it can also be ideas or dreams. So what have you lost? First, very obvious is we have lost loved ones, okay, people who are close to us. Uh, some of us have lost marriages. Okay, it's very painful to lose a marriage. We have lost friendships, people who are close to us. We have lost dreams, dreams of certain things we want to do and accomplish but have not. Uh, some of us have lost finances through the latest Bitcoin crash. Don't need to raise hands. Okay. 
Some of us have lost our jobs and career. Some of us have lost our youthfulness and we are grieving. Some of us have lost our routines and stability. Okay, so every time I change ministry or change church, I take one or two years to recover. Why? Because it's a loss. Okay, I need time to grieve. Okay, uh, we, some of us have lost our health. Okay, going through very difficult health challenges, cancer and all that. All right, so we have lost our health. Some of us have also lost our ideas about God. We have some ideas about God, but something happened. And we are wondering, eh, is God like that? Some of us have lost our ideas about church. We thought that church is supposed to be like that. But after certain politics, after certain issues, we realize, eh, God's people, how come like that? So it's a kind of loss. And for pastors, there's a unique kind of loss. Ah. Okay, just ask Pastor David, okay? We have a special kind of loss. Okay? Faithful church members that leave the church. Y'all don't know, ah, only pastors know. It is an emotional loss. Okay, whenever somebody uh, leaves, uh, they, uh, and, and it takes a toll uh, on, on, on pastors, all right? So we must honor Pastor David, 36 years, okay, of, uh, you know, suffering different kind of losses as people leave. It's very painful. Uh, so, so not only do we grieve over losses, we actually grieve over something else, which uh, we certainly talk about. We grieve over limits. Okay, all of us have limits. Limits means things that we want to do, but we can't. Okay, things that... Uh, uh, we wish we, we, we had, but we do not have. So what are some limits that we grieve over? Physical body. Okay, as you age, uh, you know, I, as I age, I tore my both ligaments. I cannot play soccer anymore. It's what? It's a loss. Ah. I have to grieve over the inability to play soccer. As I age, my eyesight becomes worse. That's why I have to wear spectacle. Okay, so it's a loss. Some, uh, we grieve over limits like our family or origin. We say, hey, how come I'm born in a dysfunctional family? How come I'm born in a broken family? Some of us grieve over our marital status. As a single, there are certain things you can do, certain things you can't do. As a married person, there's things that you can do, things that you can't do. We grieve over our intellectual capacity. We say, how come I'm not so smart? Study in the best university. How come? Some of us grieve over our talents. We always admire people who are more talented than us. Okay? Uh, and, and some of us grieve over our material wealth. You say, I wish I had money, I would have been able to study overseas. I would be able to do this and do that. Some of us grieve over time loss, our limits where we can spend with our kids. We have lost it. Okay? We grieve over our work, our career, our salary. We grieve over our relationships, our networks. And we grieve over our spiritual understanding. I wish I know more about God. So our loss and our limits, why is it there? It is a gift from God. Why? Why do I say that? Why are limits and loss a gift from God? It basically points us to our need for God and for eternity. We realize that no matter how rich you are, one day you will die. You will fall sick. So it is a gift to point us to God. It is meant to be celebrated and embraced and not for us to avoid and run away. All right? If we can get that, we can come back to God. So what do we do with our loss and our limits? What do we do with it? Uh, some of us uh, want to sweep it under the carpet. Don't want to think about it. Uh, some of us become passive-aggressive, you know, uh, like being late, secretly rebelling against God and others. 
for there are some of us may be suffering from what I call low-grade depression. Uh. You know what's low-grade depression or not? You can still work, you can do it, but you no longer feel the highs and lows of life. Your feeling is flat on. It's what I call the uh, zombie, walking zombie. No high joy, no high lows, you just feel nothing. Okay, so you are suffering from a low-grade uh, depression, likely because you have not grieved well your losses and your limits. What do we do in our modern days to deal with loss and limits? What's our favourite activity to deal with it? Addiction. By binging. Uh. Binging means what? Either you watch Netflix from morning to night or you play Candy Crush from morning to night. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> okay? Or you play games from morning to night. Or we are in denial. and say, ah, it's okay lah. I'm fired, it's okay, I can easily find another job. I, I'm, uh, I, I break up, never mind, I can find, find another person. Or we minimize, we say, ah, yeah, it's okay, one, uh. my, my drinking issue is not serious. Only once in a while, but actually you drink every day. What else? How do, we, how do we have defense mechanism? We blame others, we blame God. We blame ourselves, ah, yeah, I'm a failure, I'm not good enough. What else? We over-spiritualize. Ah, this is the devil. I just need to pray and this problem will go away. What other defense mechanism? We rationalize. We say, ah, yeah, I have a rage problem uh, because my father is an angry man. Okay? What else? We intellectualize. Ah, yeah, the world is starving. Ukraine is at war. My problem is nothing. Lah. It's okay. Okay? What else? We distract ourselves. We say, ah, yeah, holiday coming. Let's not focus on a chorus here. Holiday is coming. Okay, next, what do we do? We medicate, we take drugs, we take antidepressants, we take insomnia pills. But does it deal with the grief? No, it doesn't. We're avoiding it. We think that by not thinking about it, it will go away. But it doesn't because the dust is still under the carpet. One day it will explode. Okay? What does the Bible say about dealing with grief? Does the Bible have anything to say? Okay, time's up, no. What does the Bible say about grief? Does it have resources? Well, my answer to you is, it does. Not only in Lamentation, not only in Psalms, there is an entire book written, dedicated to help us to grieve well. Okay, it's found in a book of what? Huh? Job. Okay, Job. 42 chapters. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible. Uh, the book of Job. Job was a blameless and upright person. Not that he's sinless, huh? he's just faithfully following God, obedient follower of Yahweh. One day, the, uh, Satan uh, challenged God by saying, hey, why is Job so godly? It's because you have blessed him. If you take away his blessing, right, he will curse you to your face. So that was Satan's uh, challenge uh, to, to God. So Job, He's very rich, okay? He's like the Mark Zuckerberg or the Elon Musk of his time. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys, many employees. In fact, he's the greatest man of all people in the East. Okay? Uh, family. Most of us lose things in a lifetime. Over a lifetime, we lose things. For him, he lost all the things in a couple of days. Okay? So nobody got it as bad as him. He, he grieved over all these things in a matter of days. 
So the big idea for us today is he, 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 he lost his wealth, he lost his possession, he lost his employees, he lost his children, all in a couple of days. Okay, so the big idea for us today is God wants us to grieve our loss and our limits well, okay, to birth a new season. And today we want to learn from Job how to grieve biblically through our loss and our limits. So we want to learn from Job how to grieve biblically through our loss and our limits. And I hope that at the end of the sermon, uh, we'll be able to have this catchphrase, grieve well to love well. Grieve well to love well. What's the first thing we can learn from Job? First thing we can learn is that in our suffering, Satan wants you to curse God. Okay? It's a common weapon that he uses. So if you read uh, here, it says, Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hand and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. So basically, Satan is saying, yeah, he's loyal uh, because of your benefits to him, lah, all the things that you've given him. He actually loves you based on selfish motive, not that he freely loves you, God. Okay, so Satan is allowed to take away all these things, wealth, okay, and anything from north, south, east, west. Okay, if you look, basically signify complete destruction. So God allows Satan to test Job to purify his faith so that Job may emerge victorious. But Satan has a different agenda. Satan wants to use suffering to cause Job to curse God. And uh, what, what, what was Job's reply? Job's reply, uh, he arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell on the ground and he worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So Job basically went into mourning. He cried out to the Lord. He tore his clothes uh, and uh, he grieved before the Lord. Okay, but he acknowledged that all that he has belongs to God anyway. He's just a steward. And if God wants to take away, it is his right. Uh, he worshiped God and he, he will curse you. So Satan began to afflict Job with the most painful and itchy sores all over his body. Okay, and um, what was Job's reply? His wife uh, gave up already. His wife came to him and said, hey, Why do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Okay, and uh, Job says, You speak as one of the foolish women uh, would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Uh, so, so we see in this, the entire test of the Christian life is this, uh, that are we serving and loving God out of self-interest? Are we loving and serving God out of self-interest? We don't know this answer except in adversity. Then we know are we really serving God? 
out of a self-serving motive. So, we must understand that our true enemy, uh, in this scenario, we must understand our true enemy is not people. Uh, it's not the wife even. The wife is, could be used by, by Satan. By, uh, to, to. The true enemy is not Satan. The true enemy is not disease. The true enemy is Satan. There is a true enemy uh, that wants us to break our relationship with God, our Creator. If He can do that, He can take you together with Him to hell. That is agenda. He's going there anyway, you know. So He wants to gather as many people as He can, okay, who, who hate God, to follow Him. And if He does that, you have basically missed your purpose on earth. You have failed to develop a relationship with your Creator. And that is His agenda. And suffering is a common tool in the hands of God to cause you to do that. I think in ministry, we have seen many people, you know, um, leave God because of suffering. Uh, just recently, you know, I've been working with someone for a few years to process the suffering. Uh, and it breaks my heart. Okay, it breaks my heart and I'm still grieving the loss because this person have decided, a strong believer, okay, have decided to curse God. It's, it's hard, all right? It's painful. Uh, and and I, I will still journey with this person, but the truth is that it is happening. Especially through COVID-19, many people have actually drifted away from God. Okay, whether they say it or not, they have lost their relationship with God. So suffering is a tool used by the enemy to cause us to distance from God or to curse God silently, uh, don't have to be openly, uh, in your brain, in your mind, in your attitude, you have left God. So we're in danger. Okay, we need to pray. It can happen to any of us. You don't think, wow, I'm rock solid. I won't. No, 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 no. When adversity strikes, when suffering strikes, you will ask why, and then you will say, God, it is you, your fault. Okay, and you will curse God in your heart. We pray that our faith will stand. Remember Peter before he betrayed Jesus? What did Jesus say to him? Satan wants to sieve you as wheat. Sieve means, huh? Put through a sieve, see what comes out. I pray that your faith will stand. Okay, so we need to prepare ourselves. Hey, it's going to come one way or another. We're going to experience loss, we're going to experience limits. But what is our response? The enemy wants us to curse God. Don't take it lightly, uh, to blaspheme God uh, or to, to pray against the Holy Spirit. It's a serious sin. Uh. It's not something to fool around with, alright? So does it mean we cannot be honest before God? Does it mean we have to sanitize our speech and our prayer? No. Okay, we can be honest before God. Okay, we can be honest. How was Job honest with God? Uh, Job is honest with God, uh, as you read here. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Okay? And Job said, Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night that say a man is conceived. Let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Why did I not die at birth or come out from the womb and expire? Over here we read, Job is not cursing God, lah. He's cursing the day he was born. Cursing God means denying or hating God. Cursing the day you are born means you want to die. He wished he was, he's suicidal basically, okay? One is blasphemy, one is suicidal, it's different. 
He wished he had not been born. He's so intense. His pain is so intense that he wants to die. God can handle your honesty. Okay? Anyway, he knows your thoughts. Huh? He can handle your honesty. And when you share honesty with God, it helps us in our grief process. Okay? It helps us in our grief process. Uh, just look at David. You know, David is uh, somebody who shares his grief honestly. He, he, he asks, oh God, you destroy the enemy, you know, dash their children to bits and pieces. Okay? He, he's honest, okay? And he helps him in, in, his, in his grief process. Uh, and uh, we can be honest with God, but continue to trust in Him. Look at this verse uh, in Job 13, 15. He says, Though He slay me, I will hope in Him. Yet I will what? Argue my ways to His face. Eh? Wow, He's brave. Eh? He dare to say this kind of thing, okay? But what is it? I will hope in Him. But will he argue? Yes, he'll argue. He tells God everything that he, he is feeling. And through it, he says, this is my salvation, that the godless shall not come before him. As he comes before God to, to share his heart, he knows that that's where salvation is. And he is the godly, not the godless. He can come before God as who he is, and God can minister to him. So in our honesty, we encounter God. Pete Scazzaro says this, and when I allow myself to feel a wider range of emotions, including sadness, depression, fear, and anger, a revolution in my spirituality was unleashed. In neglecting our intense emotions, we are forced to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty, and vulnerability before God. Okay? So if we hide our emotions, if we hide what we truly feel, then our healing process takes longer. Okay? Because we're not dealing, we're avoiding it, we're playing games, we're doing other things. We are not allowing God to process with us, allowing us to surrender our feelings to God. In 1969, there is this um, Swiss psychiatrist. Uh, she came up with this five common stages of grief, five common stages of grief, uh, and um, it's not sequential, it's not linear, it can be one or two in your own grief process, it can be back and forth, uh, but basically there are some uh, grief process, okay, that uh, many of us or a lot of people go through as they process a loss or a limit. First is what? Denial. This is not happening, cannot be, you got your facts wrong, are you sure? First, denial. Second, anger. Whose fault is it? Is it God's fault, other people's fault, or your own fault? You're very angry. You want to punch somebody. Third, bargaining. You tell God, hey, God, if you can reverse this, if you can stop this, if you can heal this person, heal my loved one, I will serve you for the rest of my life. I will come full time, no? Okay. Bargain. Okay. Uh, then the third stage is when reality set in. Then you say, ah, this is real. I can't take it. This is real. Okay, so depression can take, for some people, a few months, some people can, a few years. Okay, it's different for a different person. Then eventually, when you accept, come to a point of acceptance, that's where you say, let me find new ways of living well. So as you go through loss, uh, it is helpful to see, hey, where are you? Uh, where are you in this grief cycle? Uh, and ask God to bring you to a point of acceptance so that you can live well.
okay, you come to a new normal, so to speak. Uh, so for ourselves, we need to take our own time to grieve our loss, our limits. We all grieve differently, okay, but we have an eternal hope. Okay, so how do you process your grief with God? How do you do that? Uh, I think for myself, I will take time. Okay, I'll take time to talk to God. I will have a personal retreat. I'll go somewhere at a beach. I'll take out a journal. I'll write down. I will tell God how I feel. And I begin to write down uh, what I sense God is saying to me. Okay, I take time to tell God exactly how I feel. And then through that, I allow Him to heal me and to let go of some of these uh, things that I'm feeling. Okay, it's a process. Okay, journaling is a helpful thing. Uh, I think for myself, it was very helpful. And begin to claim God's promises that He is both good and mighty. Okay, not just mighty, He is good. Okay, and then begin to know that He is with you and He knows what's best. Okay, so that's the second thing. What's the third thing you can learn from the life of Job? Third thing is you need to discern what others say. Okay, discern what others say. Normally, I will always advise, always listen to your wife. Okay, second to the Holy Spirit is your wife. Correct or not? Wives are usually very spiritual. Uh, you know, when I listen to them. But it also doesn't mean your wife is always correct. Uh, because in this case, uh, what did the wife say? Why don't you curse God and die? Even the wife give up. You know, like, oh, you're suffering so much. Uh, I think it's better for you, uh, you know. So we have to discern. Okay, she's not bad, I believe, uh, you know. But at that moment, she just, oh, why don't you do that? She give up. Okay? Uh, don't give up on your husband, uh, even though they are quite hopeless, but continue to hope in them and cheer them on. <laughs> all right? Uh, husband to wife as well, all right? What else? His, his three friends. Okay, his three friends. Actually, his three friends is not that bad. Uh, huh? His three friends, basically, uh, actually, they came to him they actually empathized with him, with him. In fact, uh, they, they kept quiet for seven days. Eh. Okay, so these three friends are not so bad. Uh. Don't paint them like, wow, very jealous. They actually did some things correct. But after seven days, uh, they, cannot, they cannot hold their mouth already. So the three friends, what they say? <laughs> they say this. Uh. Okay, imagine your friends say this when you're suffering. Uh. Remember, who that was innocent ever perished? Or where were the upright cut off? As I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Wow. Imagine your friend tell you that when you're suffering. Can take it or not? I mean, see, you must have done something wrong. So they have a wrong theology. Okay, they have a wrong theology. Uh, there is this general law of reaping and sowing, uh, obedience and rewards. There's this general law. Okay, but it does not refer to every specific event, situation. And the results may not be shown in this lifetime. Okay, so for them, the wrong theology is first what? Your blessing is always, always huh, linked to your moral uprightness. Is it true? No, not always. Second thing, they say what? Your suffering is always punishment for your sin. Is it always? No. Generally, it's correct, but not always. You can't do that. Thirdly, since no one is without sin, it is always due to your sin that you are suffering. Wow. Okay. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. And, and this wrong theology actually can cause, God, uh, can cause Job to see God as transactional. 
Oh, he's like that lah. No? He's transactional lah. If I obey, he, he bless. That's exactly what Satan uh, wants uh, Job to say. You know, that if I obey him, he'll bless me. If I don't obey him, that's not who God is. If he has followed his friend's advice, he will have seen God as transactional. But God is trying to show that he is compassionate and relational. He is not transactional. Okay, he's not. So there is, do you know that, other than these three, right, do you know there's one more person? You don't know? Don't know, right? You start, must go and read Job, okay? There's actually one more person. And what is his name? His name is Elihu. Elihu is actually a younger guy. He, he hold his mouth uh, uh, when these three senior people are talking. Uh, he, he, he don't want to save us. Uh, and he is the only one which God didn't rebuke at the end. Okay, he's the fourth guy who is there, younger, keep quiet. And he actually rightly rebukes Job, his three friends, and exhorts God's greatness. Look at what he wrote. He says, Look at the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than you. If you have seen, what do you accomplish against Him, God? And if your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to Him? If you are righteous, what do you give to Him? And what does He receive from your hand? So Elihu was right. Okay, uh, your sins and your righteousness doesn't control God. Okay? God is God. God is sovereign. God is higher than the heaven. He knows what He's doing. He cannot control Him by arm-twisting God through your good deeds and your bad deeds. You can't. Okay? Uh, he doesn't love us more or less depending on what we do. He doesn't. It may shock you. Huh? He doesn't love you more or less depending on what you do. He loves us unconditionally. But He wants us to change to become more like Him. Alright, that's a huge difference. He loves us unconditionally. Uh, not based on what we do. Uh, so what do you do when you're grieving? What do you do? First, you need to surround yourself with people who love you. Don't be isolated. But at the same time, you must be discerning of what people say to you. You need to know your God. You need to know yourself. Alright? And what do you do with people who are grieving who come into yourself? What's the best thing? Number one, just be present. Your presence makes a lot of difference. Mourn with those who mourn. Alright? Thirdly, show practical deeds of kindness. Provide food, all that. And only lastly, speak the truth in love. Okay? Speak the truth in love. What's the fourth thing that we can learn from Job? The fourth thing is that God is bigger than your why. God is bigger than your why. You see, God finally appears in Job 38. God appears. And what does He do? Very strange, oh. God doesn't answer Job's why. He doesn't say, I tell you why, ah, because we are, I'm talking to Satan, blah, blah. Imagine, ah, he'll be scared. Oh, what happened? Ah? He won't understand. God doesn't answer his why. What, what, did, what did God reveal? Verse 38, uh, chapter 38 to 39, God basically asked Job, hey, where were you ah, when I created the universe? Where were you when I created the animals and I fed them, I provided Where were you? No answer, lah. Okay, then, more interesting. In chapter 40 and 50, actually, 
God began to describe two powerful creatures. The first creature is called the behemoth. Behemoth. So in the description of behemoth, okay, uh, it describes the, 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 the tail as like a cedar tree. Okay? So is it a dinosaur? I can't even pronounce this thing. Op, 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 hippo? Okay? The, the more conservative will say hippo. Lah. The other one say, oh, it's a dinosaur. Okay? Well, imagine the Bible got dinosaur. Okay? Then he talked about Leviathan. Uh, wow, got scales, powerful sea creature. Okay? So some, some scholars say it's a sea creature. It's not a crocodile because it lives in the sea. Some scholars say it cannot be hippo because the tail is cedar tree. Okay? So, but basically what God is saying to him is that these two creatures, okay, can you control or not? Cannot lah. Cannot then? Why have you got so many things to say? So, Job is basically speechless. Okay, he's speechless. Uh, and he says, I, I am a fool. I have uttered things I do not understand. So, he despised himself and repent in dust and ashes. He repents in dust and ashes. Okay, he's confessing that he's prideful. He's confessing his self-righteousness. He's confessing that he doesn't know the answers. So number four, we can learn from Job that God is bigger than our why. What's the last thing we can learn from Job? The last thing we can learn from Job is to turn our death to resurrection. Turn our death to resurrection. Very interesting. Uh, the three friends, God rebuked them and said, you, you three friends have spoken wrongly. I want you all to go and burn an offering okay, to God and then come to Job so that he can pray for you. And when he pray for you, I will not judge you. So the three friends burned an offering to God and came to Job. And the interesting thing at the end is in verse verse uh, Verse 11. Is it verse, 11? Uh, verse 10. He says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So some of us may think, Oh, God, God uh, blessed Job with twice because he went through needless suffering. That's why God very, very pious, eh? or bless him. No, leh. Yeah, 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 so sorry, I'll give you compensation. No, 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 no. God blessed Job because Job was able to forgive and bless his friends. So whenever we are able to bless and uh, forgive from our point of suffering, God is able to turn our lives around. Uh, in Christianity, Okay, in Christianity, we always walk towards what? We don't escape from death. We walk towards death. Just as Jesus walked towards death so that He could be resurrected. The most tragic event of the crucifixion, He turned it around to resurrection. He turned it around to the greatest blessing to the world. So in the same way for us, in the same way for us, there is this principle. He says, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, okay, if it dies, it bears much fruit. When something dies, 
there is a new season. You can use whatever God has deposited in your life to bless someone. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and Jesus says this, Do you want to know me? If you want to know me and the power of my resurrection, okay, you must experience my suffering. You must experience my death. Then you can experience my resurrection. You can experience my restoration only if you have suffered. Because we serve a Christ who is our suffering servant. I want to invite the worship team uh, to come forward. Chris Valentin, a, a pastor, he says this. He says this, we forget there is no victory without a battle, no testimony without a test, and no miracle without an impossible circumstance. Then maybe some of you say, no leh. I experienced a very tragic death in my family. I experienced something that I don't see any redemptive purpose on. How can it be, God? But this, this has what God got to say to you. God is saying to us, even in this life you don't experience things that you have suffered or uh, uh, sacrificed for the Lord. He says, anyone who have left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children or lands, for my namesake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. So whatever we do that we have sacrificed for the Lord's sake in following Christ, know this, that He will never shortchange us. He wants to turn our pain to be blessing for others. And if you don't see it in this lifetime, God says in the coming life, every injustice I will make right. And there is a person that I want to share with us that managed to turn his death to resurrection. You must have heard of his story, but powerful. His suffering to the blessing for generations. And this person is none other than Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford uh, in 1870s, 71, he lost his, his son, okay, uh, for your death. And then there was a great fire that actually burned down his, his property, his business, suffered financially. And then in 1973, actually he wanted to travel to England to help D.L. Moody in the evangelistic campaign. Okay, just a few years later, he wanted to go there. But because of some business things, uh, he couldn't go there. He sent his family ahead first. He sent his four daughters and the wife ahead to support D.L. Moody's ministry. But the, 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 the ship that went ahead basically sank. And the wife wrote back in a memo with these two words only, Save alone. Save alone. And when Horatio received this, he was heartbroken, he was shattered. But he began to pen one of the most beautiful psalms, hymns, not some, most beautiful hymn that's able to bless generation. And this hymn is none other than 
it is well with my soul. Even though he was weeping inside, his lips wanted to praise and exhort the Lord. Let us rise. Even as we sing this song to the Lord, I do not know what you're going through. Some of us may be experiencing grieving, even as I speak. Some of us don't understand. We are questioning God why we have to go through this loss, these limits. But even as we sing this song, let our praise be that sacrifice of praise to the Lord to say, Lord, it is well with my soul. I praise you. I worship you. Hallelujah. Surrender to the Lord. Just raise your hands to the Lord right now. Wherever you are, it can be a regret, a loss, a limit. And today you are saying, I declare with my lips that God, you are bigger than my why, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Things that I do not understand that has happened, I surrender it before you, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I place it at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, you understand my pain, oh Lord. I put it at the foot of the cross and said, Lord, let it die, Lord. I release it to the cross. I ask that you come and turn my death into resurrection, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. That you redeem every pain, every suffering. You heal every heart that is here, oh Lord so that we may birth a new life, that we may birth a new season, oh Lord. As we release it unto you, we are saying, God, you are good. You are mighty, oh Lord. We trust you, oh Lord. We trust you. And turn our lives from pain to blessing, oh Lord. We give our life as that offering to you, oh Lord and say, Lord, heal us from the inside out so that we begin to bless others. As we begin to pray for others, as we begin to forgive others, Father, you will use us mightily for your purpose, O Lord. So we surrender ourselves to you. We say, Lord, teach us how to grieve well that we may love well, Lord. So surrender every person here, those that are lifted their hands, especially, O Lord. May you touch them in your own special way and assure them you will journey with them all the way, O Lord, even as they release their hurts to you. So we give thanks that you're doing a new work in our hearts and in this congregation, O Lord. And we give you the praise and the honour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this series. We hope that you are blessed. If you would like to go deeper with us, head over to our website at maranata.sg for more information.